This could be a stunning sequence. Diaz. Ricochets off a block by Gutman and Vanderbilt. Hello and welcome to the Crew Review Podcast, a Columbus Crew post-game show where me and another writer from Massive Report review the crew. I'm your host, Andrew Atkins, and joining me today is a very special co-host. He's a writer for Massive Report. He's a podcaster. He's a social media influencer, a fashion icon. He is the <laughs> me and the Bryant and me podcast. I call him oh Tommy Flip-Flops, but you know him as Thomas Costello. Thomas, how you doing today, buddy? I'm I'm doing really well, doing even better after that introduction. Um, and if we're gonna throw nicknames around, we're keeping we're keeping wet blanket. I don't like wet we, blanket. I don't stand by that nickname. That's all right. That's a, it's an inside joke, uh, which other people will have to um, figure out on their own time because we'll we have dig, we have a lot to talk about. Dig deep into our twitters to come up with that joke. So, two goals and ten games. It's incredible Columbus crew are making history, but mm-hmm. Thomas, they're not the only ones you're making history tonight because you are the first ever co-host of the crew review. How does that feel? It feels, um, it feels pretty good. It feels pretty good. If we were Cincinnati, we, there would be a t-shirt about this. I'm really pumped. I'm really pumped. <laughs> That's true. Uh, this is kind of a unique episode of the crew review. It's, it's not really episode one, even though it is episode one, it's kind of a prequel. I'm calling it episode zero. The official launch of the podcast is going to come with MLS Phase 2, but what we wanted to do is we wanted to give the listeners a chance to help us build this show. So I want to ask anybody who listens to this to leave us your feedback, let us know what you like, what you're not liking, Uh, give us ideas for segments, just help us build this show into the best listening experience possible for you. So what I want to ask you to do is feel free to send us your input at crewreviewpod at gmail.com. Some of that was Thomas's idea. So introductions out of the way. <laughs> we have to get right into our first segment of the night. A little thing I like to call emotional overreactions. So Thomas, I'm going to ask you, shut off that analytical side of your brain, reach deep down into your heart, pretend that you're on Twitter, and just spew out the first thing that comes to your mind. There's no way that Columbus doesn't go all the way this year. You know that's it. I mean, when you when you watch these clubs, like the really the really good clubs, which they've been this year, two only giving up two goals, and now they have sixteen goals and uh, sixteen goals in their matches too, in their regular season matches, not counting that uh, Minnesota United PK travesty. They've that game doesn't count. It doesn't count. It doesn't. It actually does not count, which is really nice. So their goal differential now is at plus fourteen. They're just the biggest issue with the teams that are doing really well is that teams will start to park the bus and then what do you do that that's when they have issues if you can't break through them there's no way that you're going to be able to get past it because people know what to do against you tonight was since he's not very good and and columbus is the greatest team the world's ever seen that's undeniable you know i actually wrote an article before the season started called uh i believe it was 47 reasons why columbus crew will be the first undefeated team in mls history and uh 
I was wrong. We lost one game, but that's it. My emotional overreaction is that's the only game we're going to lose. Going undefeated the rest of the season, winning the MLS Cup, winning the Supporter Shields. And, of course, it would be the year that uh, only a few people could be there to see it. But we're, we're sending Mopfrey Stadium out with the trophy. That's my overreaction. And then, and then Don Garber's going to be like, oh, I'd love to give you the trophy, but ooh, six feet. I can't do it. I can't I'm going to give it. this trophy to Columbus Crew's captain, Lucas Zellerion. Oh, no. You misspelled Jonathan Mensa. All right. Well, right, with that out of the aside. way, with that out of the way, we can take a deep breath. We can move on to the crew review for Columbus Crew SC taking on FC Cincinnati. Hell is real. And I'm going to tell you what. Hell was a lot more entertaining this time around than it was oh, a few God. days ago. What was that? Uh, eight eight days ago or so? I'm trying to block it from my mind. I'm not <laughs> exactly sure. I'm going to tell you the starting lineup. I saw it. I uh, I wasn't thrilled about it. I actually messaged you and said, "Do you mind covering the podcast for me? I'm going to play some Overwatch because I was." feeling real gloomy about it. And uh, sometimes it's just fantastic to be proven wrong. So in goal, we had Eloy Room. No worries there. No questions asked. Defensively, we had Milton Valenzuela. We had Josh Williams, the captain, Jonathan Mensa, and the veteran Harrison Awful. Uh, interesting stat. This is actually the fourth week they've played together uh, with this lineup out of 10 mm-hmm. matches that shows how much we shuffle the defense in Columbus, but still only allowing two goals. Uh, midfield, we had Artur, and we had the debuting Fatai Alashe, uh, Cincinnati player. I might have butchered his name there. Uh, no, you got Cincinnati it perfectly. Uh, Be then confident. Moving, uh, I'm so confident right now. Moving forward, we had uh, Yunus Mokhtar. We had Darlington Nagby filling that number 10 role for Zellerion. Uh I, I saw that uh, Patrick Murphy tweeted out that it seems like he might still be injured, but he was going to try to find out post-match. And then we had Pedro Santos. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to eat my words here a little bit, but the striker was Fernando Adi. Uh, this is because Jossie Zardes had his 14th child this week. Oh, stop it. And, no, uh, it was his fourth, fourth kid, second son. His fourth child this week. And um, by no means should he really be able to play and have a great game and score two goals. So we had Fernando Adi starting instead. And uh, he was the one that just gave me that pit in my stomach that I thought this is going to be a tough game to watch because thus far in the season, he has failed to impress me even a little bit. Also, to be fair, in talking about the lineup and Adi, he – has also not had any minutes. He's been in the matches. If he does come in, it's coming in 15 to 20 at the most. He hasn't had a big chunk of time on the field at all this season outside of, you know, MLS's back tournament type stuff. But he, he hasn't seen much regular season um, and many regular season minutes. So whenever I saw him out there, I, he plays differently than Zardis. And wherever he's running around the pitch, it looks more like he's lumbering around the pitch. You know, he's not a small guy. He's <laughs> And I think that kind of creates this man. illusion that he's moving in slow motion, which is something that drives me right. crazy. But what he does for that team, and you saw it tonight, even though uh, he didn't score any he didn't score any goals, he was distributing to other teammates and he also takes away some of those Cincy defenders because whenever Absolutely. he's in the box 
you can't just have it one-on-one. There's always somebody else, you know, okay, they have to look over their shoulder. I have to get close to him. And then they can't get close to one of their crew players. And I thought tonight with his time on the field, I, I thought he was effective in what he was there to do. Now he yep. didn't score a goal, but there was a lot of things off the score sheet that won't make it onto a score sheet where he did um, really successful things to open up the defense for the crew to kind of break through. Somebody else who didn't score a goal was Darlington Nagby. And you want to talk about things that happen off of the score sheets. The Columbus crew would not have scored tonight had it not been for Darlington Nagby. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But yeah, like you said, sometimes scoring a goal, uh, that kind of stat can be misleading. It can make you think that he wasn't necessarily effective because Audi didn't come up with assists. He didn't come up with goals scored. But without question, his best match of the season, he was effective. Like you said, he was distributing the ball. He was pulling defenders. He was a presence, which is something I haven't felt like he's done for Columbus since he started. And, and uh, going back to last season with Cincinnati, we all know that that was a disaster. Uh, yeah. I probably haven't seen an Audi. Well, probably haven't gotten this many minutes with a good team since he was in <laughs> Portland. So it's been years That's since he's really had the opportunity to play around other players. And this is, uh, it, it's kind of a knock to Cincinnati and how many managers they've had, how many rotating, you know, players they have. I mean, you were talking before we started the pot tonight. I mean, three crew, three of the crew players on our 18 tonight were former Cincy players and all three of them got on the field. So, that was and there were rough things off the field which not the place to talk about there are many other arenas we'll leave that to to twitter and other places but um on the field tonight you could see why caleb porter wanted him back you know if anybody knows him it's probably porter after having him in portland for so long if he wanted him if they traded for him not just because since he's paying for what 90 96 percent of his salary but because yeah, he's somebody who can uh, make your team better right yep i agree wholeheartedly uh i actually picked him to be my surprise player of the year this year uh so far i haven't been surprised uh today i was pleasantly <laughs> surprised so getting into the match a little bit more uh through through about the first 30 minutes of the match realistically I was, uh, I was nervous. I actually have in my notes here, FC Cincinnati's counterattack is looking dangerous. Uh, there were multiple crosses right in front of the crew goal, and I thought it's, it's a matter of time before they connect with one of these and they score a goal and they take the lead, and we're going into halftime the first time this season behind. I was wrong, thankfully. But uh, how, did, how did you feel starting this match? Uh, did you have the same sentiments? Were you kind of feeling a little bit of anxiety or, or did you feel the crew had it in control? No, I don't think that they had it in control. You saw early on that Mokhtar, there are a couple balls where since he got around him pretty easily um, out, there wasn't really much to, to write home about in those first, you know, 15, 20 minutes on, from the crew perspective, excuse me, when it comes to offense, they were – they were slow. They were reactive. They were slow. They were reactive. Since they did have a game plan, it looked like, okay, we're going to counterattack, of course. But they were out for blood in those first five to ten minutes. He's stretching up to 15 minutes. You saw a lot of, a lot of crosses, a lot of passes in front of room that mm-hmm. would just cross right through him. And then you thought, okay, someone's going to come on the end of this shot. Right. But um, Cincinnati, they don't have a lot of experience scoring goals right now. 
So well, we actually, fortunately did not, um, fortunately they did not get any, um, they did make on it the happen. end of those cross, but they were some really dangerous passes. Yeah. I think the closest they came was in the four minute mark. Uh, Kubo had a cross that was just right in front of uh, Lacadia as he came sliding in and uh, room was on the right side of the goal. He was on the left. That would have been a goal. And I think they missed by maybe three inches outside of that. Yeah. There never came a moment where they were uh super close to scoring a goal but the crosses just kept coming and kept frightening me uh, i will say on defense and this even stretches back to philly game last uh, on wednesday excuse me when you'll have crew players who are not just your center backs you'll have players running up like pedro santos is running in and he's stopping balls like oh, he's yeah. getting into the box and they're like it, it's it's great to see that everyone rushes back and everybody hustles back even if they're not you know, the, the big center backs, the big guys you have there to defend. And that's something Porter has been very adamant about and very vocal about is he wants his attackers defending. He wants his defenders attacking and you yeah. see it. I actually, uh, I actually wrote a note about Santos. Uh, he came on this, uh, this run back and uh, Cincinnati tried to clear or tried to cross the ball into the box and Santos oh, yeah. got his face right in the way and just got rocked. But it just shows the, uh, it shows the dedication to defense that every player on this club has, not just mm-hmm. like you said, the defenders. Yeah. And then it right around that 15, 20 minute mark too, there was a, uh, there was a no call that got people a little riled up. Uh, uh, there was a VAR check for a handball. What did you think? Uh, you know, at first I thought it was clear as day handball. Uh, they showed us because uh, the, the defender for Cincinnati's arm was way up in the air, way out of a natural position. Uh, another camera angle though showed it, it looked like it hit his shoulder. I think the, I think the ref made the right call. There was a second. And, and then I, th- I thought that too, whenever I saw it in the run of play, I didn't even think the sliding guy in front was the one who started the, you know, calls for handball. Because after it hits his shoulder, which in the replay it obviously hits his shoulder, mm-hmm. it deflects off of him and it hits the hand of a player from Cincinnati. He hits somebody's hand, which the replay, not the best quality when they're trying to slow it down because it was kind of blurry as that happened. And I think right. whenever you have Jordan and Neil talking about it on the air, they were just kind of focusing on the sliding player. But there was a deflection onto a player's hand. I think that's where the players were – you know, kind of yelling to the ref, kind of trying to get their attention uh, to say, "Hey, that was a handball." They're they're doing I some of these, that, uh, you know, I think uh, that's a moonlighting refereeing. I, I think it was too. I think it's but a stretch. It was. It wasn't in a. Um, it was such a bang bang play. I, I don't think there was enough. There was nothing completely um, proving that it was a handball and that it was on purpose and that they were trying to stop the, you know, the run of the offense there. So I, I kind of agreed that there was no, no penalty I, on that. I will say handball or no handball is a moot point because uh, about the 35th minute, everything changes. It becomes the Darlington Nagby show. Nagby, uh, Nagby can dribble out of anything. You could, you could have every team in the league in front of him and he can dribble around all of them. And, Cincinnati realized pretty quickly they don't stand a chance at at stopping that from Nagby, so they started fouling him left and right. Uh, it oh, was yeah. four fouls pretty quickly within each other before Cincinnati got a yellow card to let him know, like you can't. That was for accumulation. This. It was you four different players too. It yes. was everybody was now. He's whenever you you talk about the lineup earlier, he's so 
good with this, not just with the team, but he's so good overall. He's, he's, I have so much faith in Nagby, but seeing him move into that number 10 role made me a little bit nervous, but man, did he adapt. I thought he wasn't even playing. Whenever I didn't see him next to Artur (laughs) and I saw uh, Alashi and I was like, oh, they're just giving Darlington the night off. I didn't even look in the midfield. I didn't even look further up. I just thought, oh, he's not playing tonight. And then I I tweeted something out and someone came on and said, "Uh, he is starting. And I was like, what? I didn't even look at the line above. And I was like, oh. He is starting in the 10. I did not expect that. I thought and, maybe uh, he was getting the night off because he's played. And we've seen Pedro Santos <laughs> step into that number 10 role and do it pretty serviceably. Season, yeah. But yeah. man, our, our uh, Darlington Nagby is – He just, does it all. He does it all. He's fantastic. Then, Once he started getting involved, the whole game changed. Uh, he was He was able to – get the first shot on goal in the game. He was able to continuously get into position and take shots that were deflecting off of Cincinnati defenders, but it was creating pressure on Cincinnati that actually led to a goal later. I have in my notes, uh, it was the goal by uh, Pedro Santos. Uh, Mm -hmm. Darlington Nagby was right next to Santos. The ball is crossed and actually misses Nagby. But Nagby, if you look back at the replay, has two defenders on him because he had been so dangerous up until that point that Santos right. was able to slot right in behind him and score the first goal of the game. Right, right. And I'm, ex- I'm excited to talk more about that in the second half because I right. think that as great as Darlington Nagby is, I think there is one negative about him that it's not even – you will it's, not it's his say fault. such a thing on this podcast or you will be removed. So we go into <laughs> halftime. I'm going to go through my halftime notes really quick. I just had that. Uh, I was really impressed by the recovery runs by uh, Mokhtar and Santos. Mokhtar had a couple really sloppy giveaways, but as soon as that ball hit an FC Cincinnati defender, Mokhtar was shipped inside, shipped in the field and getting right back in front of the defense. I, I was really impressed by him. I was really impressed by Santos. The other thing I, I have, I take back, I wrote that Cincinnati is boring, but dangerous. What I was thinking while watching is I would hate to be an FC Cincinnati fan. Uh, oh yeah. Even when they're effective, it is just awful to watch. And they were making the crew boring for the first 20, 30 minutes of the match. Crew had slowed down to their pace for some reason, instead of forcing them to play at our pace and it was it was brutal. Uh, and then and real quickly, wanna... oh, go, oh, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say to wrap up to wrap up my notes. Uh, I had uh, Columbus Crew's going to score within the next ten minutes, and boy was I correct on that because you could see it just like against Philadelphia last week. You could see the last ten fifteen minutes of the match. We were playing with aggression. We were playing with purpose, and we looked hungry. I actually thought possibly Fernando Adi, but I was pretty convinced it was going to be Darlington Nagby. I was wrong on that, but I was right. The goals were going to start coming. What were your thoughts going into halftime? Halftime for me, I, I thought that they were going to, they were going to score a goal. I didn't think the match was going to say zero, zero. It didn't have that same feeling as the last one. We were getting our chances. We were getting some good passes in again, Adi's moving the defense around Nagby attacking more. They had to adapt to that which I think that's a, a, not a small change. It's a big change moving him into a more offensive-minded role. But mm-hmm. you're not bringing out too many different players from the last time you played them. I thought that there would be at least some sort of change to where um, they try to catch Cincinnati off guard. But dar- moving Darlington up was 
was was great and I, he could play everywhere i'm pretty sure he could do anything on the field um and it's good to know I, because it seems like uh Zellerion's ankle might be a problem moving forward so knowing yeah. that we have a number 10 that can slot into that role and do it effectively is it's refreshing yeah. because i'm telling you this wouldn't be the first year that i thought we have a phenomenal team that is completely derailed by injuries so seeing depth yeah. in the crew this year has has been refreshing to say the least. Oh, yeah, really nice. And um, we've we purchased two not very good ankles so far. Either injuries, injuries happen. We'll see. Hopefully, by the end of the year, we're we're not uh, we're not too worried about that or putting that into our uh, postseason reviews about oh injuries this because they've they're they're so deep right now. I agree. I mean, Luis Diaz didn't play the last two weeks, and in the second half, as you're going to hear, we he had a really huge impact. But before getting into that second half, this match, and just you bring up the point, and Neil and Jordan talked about it on the air too, where this is a, a team that they're putting a lot of money into, and they're investing a stadium, they're doing all this, and Stam's team is not an exciting team. I have to give a shout out to a friend, uh, Mike Yeager. He's a crew fan. His son's name is crew. No joke. His son's name is crew. He, um, he is a big fan of fine Nord out in the Netherlands where Stom just came from. And he told me whenever they hired Stam that Stom Stam, I'm going to pronounce his name differently every time. That's okay. Uh, Whenever they, whenever they hired him that, he, he won't be so there long enough at that you need to remember his name. Here's so. the thing. I don't think he's going to leave. I don't think he's going to leave because, one, there's no relegation, so that's not an issue. That's a whole other conversation. That's but true. they've had so many changes in managers. I think leadership in Cincinnati is going to be like, okay, we can't keep changing managers. I'm yeah. a Cleveland Browns fan. I know all about this. They kept their, they kept their coach when they probably should have fired him because – they were so inconsistent. They were firing coaches every other year. So they right. had to keep somebody just to look like we're being consistent. I'm afraid that they have stamped for a while. And like my friend said, he was at Feyenoord and he was really boring. He played the same defensive one track mind. If you know we're on the defense and then we're going to hopefully get a counterattacking chance. If we don't, one point's better than nothing. And he was in that position over in the Netherlands for – um, three months. He got hired in June, signed the contract for two years. In October, <laughs> after 4-0 thrashing, he came out publicly and said, we're just going to part ways. It's better for everybody. <laughs> so I, uh, it's exciting. You know, MLS hires a, a coach from Europe and they used to play in Europe and they coached in Europe, but uh, yeah. But let's go into the second half. That's much more exciting than talking well, about. I will say uh, in, in the line of your friend having a son named crew uh it's lucky for him that he lives in columbus and not any other mls city in the world or else his son's name would be fc or united <laughs> that's very true that's that's nice or real come here real come here <laughs> so <laughs> let's get second half second starts half. off luis diaz is in for mokhtar now mokhtar i i think he's stellar i wasn't too impressed with him last year i didn't really have a whole lot of uh interested in going into this year i think he's uh he's quietly becoming my justin Merrim of the new crew uh justin Merrim was my son's favorite favorite player uh and he just really he was quietly great in my opinion for a long time i think that's kind of what mokhtar is doing right now but uh luis diaz just instantly instantly was a game changer the the speed that he brought uh it reminded me of how zeller plays where sometimes when everybody else on the field looks asleep 
uh, Lucas is just all over that pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he came on and at, at half for Mokhtar. First half for Mokhtar, again, he was kind of reactive at first. He was getting beat uh, by guys a, a few times, and it happens in every match. You know, you're not going to win every battle that you have unless you're Darlington Nagmi. So I, um, whenever Leo, Luis Diaz came out, okay, that makes sense because you have to get back before Cincinnati's defense can build up because they will put – nine men in the box and then two are standing on the 18th. So they're technically outside of it, but they, you're going to, you're going to have to go up against them quickly. You have to get there before they do. Cause one thing you give them credit for, and this is something that Stan wants to do is they want them to get back as quick as they can. Bunch oh, you up, saw it constantly. Bunch up. So it was Garza versus, um, and we'll talk about Garza at the end of the show, but uh, it was Diaz versus Garza. And it happened twice in the matter of a couple minutes where Diaz goes up against Garza. Garza tries to foul him or push him or something, but Diaz just blows by him and then sends the ball into the box. The second time, though, it only took two times. You said they were going to score within 10 minutes in your halftime notes. Yes. Second time, Luis Diaz, and they were just feeding Diaz. They were like, okay, attack. And they attacked Garza. Garza again tried to stop him. Oh. And the speed of Diaz in. on the yeah. goal, on his assist – uh, just burst down the field, uh, cuts around Garza, as you said, and just uh, uh, he does work. That's uh, in my notes. I just had Luis Diaz does work. Columbus He's, scores one nothing. He he crosses the ball right into the goal. Like I said, Nagby has two defenders on him because of the work he did in the first half of being the one threat offensively that Crew had. Mm-hmm. And uh, Teton, I, is that? Teton, 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 right? Teton's mm-hmm. drawn to Nagby. Uh, ball goes right past Nagby. Santos connects back of the net. Crew won nothing. Uh, just an yeah. instant difference maker. Luis Diaz. And Santos was like alone. He had a few yards around him in any direction because of that same thing that you talked about with Nagby. Uh, so they scored the goal. And before we get into kind of what happened next, because that's when the floodgates opened, the one thing I want to say about Darlington Nagby, because the rest of the match is amazing, and this is, again, nothing against Nagby himself. It's because he's so good. You notice when he had the ball, now that he's doing more attacking play in this match tonight, when he's getting close to where he can take a shot, the other players around him are just kind of standing there. And I'm not talking They're about the Cincinnati players. I'm talking about the Columbus players. They They're just all kinda, in all. The, like the off-the-ball movement not amazing kind of thing like the nba right <laughs> like whenever you're watching lebron james or you're watching michael jordan going a little further back right you're watching because they're an amazing player in your team like okay what are they going to create but i think too if you have some movement around him you might have uh, some more movement i should say uh if you have some more movement around him, it might open those opportunities up which that goal was an opportunity and then since he, they they're a one-track mind. Once you get a goal into them and they can no longer put all of their players into the defensive half of the field, they crumble. at that point, they, they have to go on the attack, which opens up their team, and then it just – they couldn't stop what was coming next. I agree. And, you know, uh, in terms of off-the-ball movement, uh, that's something I do feel like Fernando Adi lacks. Uh, we saw a massive – massive change when Zardes comes in in the 62nd minute. Zardes comes in what happened? Off his new baby and just all hell breaks loose. Pardon the pun. <laughs> Listen, Zardes off the ball, his runs are fantastic. Yeah. I cannot overstate how great Jossie is at getting into position. And I'm going to say a lot of crew fans 
we're not crazy about Jossie uh, when he first moved over to the crew. And I think we're seeing it is because the, the kind of player Jossie is, he does not create moments. He's not the kind of player who's going to be scoring these uh, crazy distance goals like Zellerian mm-hmm. does. But what he does so perfectly when he has somebody to feed him that ball is something I feel like Kai Kamara lacked, something I feel like Ola Kamara lacked, which is the ability to get into position and finish when mm-hmm. the ball is fed to him. And that is something Jossie is a master at, in my opinion. So literally within two minutes of coming into the match, Santos has a perfect cross in and Jossie just runs directly into position, directly in front of the goal. He scores a goal. Mm-hmm. He runs away, rocking an imaginary baby, which is the cutest thing in history. <laughs> Congratulations, Jossie. Congratulations to that baby, because that's a story that that baby's going to be That's much better when you've had a kid. Yes. When soccer players uh, do that without having a kid or they put the ball under their, their stomach like it's a, their little baby, like it, it, I hate that. It only works whenever you've just had a kid. So hats off to Jossie. That was awesome. And yeah. then not too much longer after that, another goal. And then Jossie gets on the score sheet. Again, this one, like you said, right place, right time. It wasn't fed right. to him. You get, you get a good deflection. Once it's at your feet, just bury it. And that's what he did. So that was. Well, and in uh, fairness, it wasn't the prettiest goals. Jossie's brace, his second goal, which brought the crew up three. No, uh, it, it was almost like the, uh, the goal back in MLS is back when he takes a penalty kick, it's uh, blocked. And then he comes in and just yeah. is able to finish it. Jossie takes the shot, but the, the initial shot is blocked. Jossie's able to run back up and flick it into the goal. So again, it, it doesn't matter if it's pretty, it counts. And yeah. it, it got crew up three to nothing. And uh, this is, it's Cincinnati. It can't be overstated <laughs> that you can't read a whole lot into a Cincinnati win. Uh, just like you can't read a whole lot into a Cincinnati draw because Cincinnati's going to park the bus. And if they do it effectively, it's very hard for an offense to crack that. We saw a lot through this game where every time the crew tried to attack, it was a sea of white jerseys and and just penetrating that is extremely difficult but like you said once you get one goal the whole system falls apart there's no offense there's no attack there's no creativity in Cincinnati and they crumble when they have to switch up their play style so yeah I lost my train of thought (laughs) no no I I mean that's and so did Cincinnati after that first goal went in because it hey, was I just pulled a Cincinnati. I, was, do it. <laughs> I had some no, promise. They brought, <laughs> they brought in Burr Halter. Um, they, they took off, you know, used to give the, give the guys a rest now. Yeah. You none know, of Et- the other Etienne came in and it was none of the other substitutes made that big of a difference uh, or any difference. But I will say that the first two subs of the match, we're responsible for all three goals of the match. Uh, I, I have egg on my face. Uh, I want to go <laughs> on Twitter and delete my little angry emoji that I put when I saw tonight's starting lineup. Uh, Porter, excellent, excellent decision-making with this matchup and uh, bringing mm-hmm. in Jossie in the second half. Cincinnati was already starting to fall apart at that point, and Jossie just – he was the dagger – that just yeah. drove into the heart of Cincinnati tonight. Sure. It's nice. It feels good. It feels good to break through. And you say, I have to kind of counter what you're saying. A win again. You can't take too much from a win against Cincinnati. Again, really good teams 
having to face clubs that are going to park the bus, not every good team can be a great team and break through those different <laughs> break through that defense. And the fact that we were able to break through tonight, I, I think that bodes well for the growth of this team. This is the first year still that these players are playing together. So it, you it know, that, goes, that it, can't be overstated. You're, you're absolutely yeah. correct. This is a, a very different lineup from last year. You can see the, the moves that are being done, not just on the field, but then you're seeing the new stadium being built, the talent they're bringing in on the television, like they bringing in Jordan, bringing in Brett, bringing in all these, like they're really investing into, uh, into this, into this team. And I, I think it's really exciting. So this, I, I do read a lot into this win that it kind of moves us from a really good team to, I think a great team. Well, the thing you can read a lot into is 10 matches, two goals. Incredible. I don't know the exact stat. I know last week we were tied. <laughs> last week we were tied going into nine matches for the best start defensively in MLS history. Uh, I don't know the exact it be, stat. It was going the 2010 into Galaxy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't know if Galaxy got scored on in the 10th game. We certainly did not. Uh, Columbus no. Crew topple FC Cincinnati the way it should be three to nothing. And, uh, I will say I was a little cocky last game. I was a little humbled this game, and uh, <laughs> I couldn't be more happy with the result. I couldn't be more happy with Columbus just continuing to climb that ladder. Number one in the Eastern Conference, number one in the Supporter Shield standings. I love it. Yeah, up five points now. Up five points to the second-place team in the East, so you, you can't hate that. It's beautiful. So I want to clarify before we move on. Do you have any more thoughts on the game? No, I think we, we covered it. I think we did. Uh, before we move on, I want to. We have a segment called "The Best and Worst Player of the Match." But Columbus Crew is the greatest team the world has ever seen. That's <laughs> undeniable. So you don't get to play for the crew if you're not just an elite caliber of player. You have to be the best. So with that said, we're going to give our best best player of the match and our best worst player of the match because they're all the best. So Thomas, I'm going to let you go first. Who was your best best player of the match? It's. I, I think you could say Darlington Nagby is the best best player every every week. Um, so this is the Lucas best second best player of the match. Money, yeah, sure. I I, I give. Uh, I'm gonna give Luis Diaz the the best best player of the match. I, I, breaking Cincinnati down and getting one goal on them is so important, and he was able to do it within a matter of minutes, his speed that he has coming off the, especially coming off the bench. Now starting him. Great. He still has speed and he's still faster than anybody else in the field, but whatever you bring him on after a half, after Cincinnati has been running back on defense, after they've been, you know, they let the crew do some passing up until they, you know, get into their own, uh, to their end. And then they'll run around and they swarm those shots in the first half. Every time they shoot, there are two or three Cincy guys swarming, running to the ball, bringing Diaz in in the second half when those guys' legs are tired. He just mm-hmm. there's no uh, there's no stopping him. Greg Garza couldn't even foul him to stop him. <laughs> he was so, so I I give it to him and that pass in. I he's he's such a gunslinger, which is why I love Luis Diaz. A little yes. part of me is like, please s- score a goal, Luis Diaz, because he shoots so much and I love that. But tonight it was so distributive he was trying to distribute to his to his teammates and it wasn't him just trying to 
take the shot and in just in a few minutes change the entire scope of the game. So Luis Diaz is my best, best player of the game. And, you know, uh, talking about his speed as a substitute, it reminds me of something we had a few years ago with Kakuna Mane. Uh, I thought Mane was had the potential to be such a difference maker for the crew. We didn't mm-hmm. keep him very long and we traded him pretty quickly after. He, well, I don't think we traded him. I think his contract. Maybe think of Cedric. Up. Cedric Mabwata, he was also a player that we brought in during that 2015 playoff run. I mean, against Montreal, you bring him in as the super sub. And again, he's, he's speed. Nobody he's wants speed to be a he... sub. Everybody wants to be a starter. But there's something to be said for that, that and Diaz quick does like, player. And he did what Mabwata did. And he did what Mane was attempting to do. But he is a starter caliber player too. Like Diaz is the... Some people might be, you know, a little uh, perturbed at his shooting chances sometimes that he takes, but he's... This is the same team that has Pedro Santos. You can't be right. more perturbed about Diaz than Pedro Santos' shooting, but... Hey, we didn't hit the stage a ton tonight. Only one shot hit the stage, I think, tonight, so that's good. Last Progress. week, I tweeted out that Dish customers were experiencing problems with their service because so many soccer balls had been kicked at their satellites. Interference. So, my best, best player of the match is Darlington Nagby. I'm not going to mince words. I'm not going to give somebody a, uh, well, Darlington Nagby's always the player, so this person's the player. No, Darlington Nagby's the player of the match. Luis Diaz, yes, instrumental, changed the game. you just subtweet me in the I podcast? Did. I absolutely okay. did. Uh, Luis Diaz was instrumental, changed the game, but it was all possible because of Darlington Nagby. Before Diaz came on, before Jossie came on, Darlington Nagby was single-handedly our offense of this match. He was the only one getting shots that looked dangerous. He had the first shot on goal. He was pulling defenders. He was phenomenal tonight. He's my best, best player of the match. Now, the worst, best player of the match. Thomas, you go ahead and take it from here. You did not tell me beforehand in preparation that it had to be a crew player. Um, so I, I, I went with Greg Garza. As my the best first player, just real quick, let me ask you a question. Uh, what's the name of the podcast? The crew review, but the crew played another team. It's not the the FC Cincinnati review, it is the crew review where we review the crew. I'm not going to say anybody on FC Cincinnati is the best worst player of the match or the worst best, however, I worded it. (laughs) What I'm going to say is Cincinnati, you could have the worst, worst player and the worst, best player, but you're not going to have a best, worst player for Cincinnati. Go ahead. Oh, you, wow. you go ahead and start your podcast. There are a FC lot of, Cincinnati oh my gosh. Review. See how that there are goes There a lot of superlatives you. on here. I'm so, con- am I do okay. I'm going to forget the best and the worst. I'm going to give it to Greg just because uh, I don't think anybody uh, in, in the Columbus land deserves being called out for having a poor performance. I think if you had to choose somebody, it's a coward probably. Out. Just say Mokhtar, and it's because he only played half of the match, and also because I think he's not as quick as the guys that he had against him, so he was just not matched up well against some of the players from Cincy. So if I had to pick somebody from the crew, which I feel like you're making me, I'll pick Mokhtar. But if I want to go for the worst player on the field, I'm going to have to go with Garza because his lackluster defending. And all you need in Cincinnati, all they want is defending. He, he couldn't even foul right. Like, if you have Diaz coming... Garza wasn't on a yellow. I think at that point he needs to take one for the team. He needs to, they need to regroup. Maybe if they if he's able to stop him or at least get him down, since he can okay take a minute, 
do Diaz is down. What do we do? Do we adjust? Who do we? Who else do we put on him? It was just so quick. It, it was, it was lightning past him, and he had nothing he could do about it. So that's what I'm going to give it to. Wouldn't it be refreshing to do this podcast for Cincinnati and have so many options for worst players? There are going to be match? matches where the best player of the match will not be a crew player. I'm just playing the odds. Not every match is going to be something like this. But. See, the, the deal with this podcast is we're the crew review, so the best player of the match will always be a crew player. Mm-mm. So, worst player of the match. Worst player of the match for me, I'm giving to... And like you said, there's it's like picking pizza. There's a best pizza and a worst pizza, but it's all pizza and it's all delicious. Like, the crew, they're all delicious. Except for pineapple on pizza. I love pineapple on pizza. Our tour... <laughs> I'm giving my worst player the match Aww. because, and, and it pains me because I love our tour. I love our tour. Uh, he just didn't seem as effective without Nagby to play off of as a defensive midfielder. Uh, there were a couple of moments where he gave the ball away when he shouldn't have it, or he was stripped of the ball when he shouldn't have. He wasn't quite as quick with distributing and getting the ball away from his feet. Uh, but again, he did not play bad. It is very hard tonight to give a, a worst best player. Um, yeah. And I thought it'd be simple. I, I, I really thought I was going to give it to Fernando Adi. So I, again, happy to be surprised, happy to see what he can offer as a starter. I don't think he's what we need as a sub though. I don't think he makes a difference coming into a game late. Um, and I'd like to see, I'd like to see maybe that be an issue that can be fixed moving forward. So, I think that's it. That's our best, best, and that's our worst, best. Thomas, I'm going to tell you, you were the best, best co-host of the night. Oh, stop it. Thank you so much. It's true. And you know what? You earned yourself a plug. Why don't you tell these people where they can find you on Twitter? And also, I think I've heard about a podcast that you happen to be the me on. Oh, right, right, right. I I am on the... um... On the, on the Twitter at one Thomas Costello, the number one Thomas Costello. Whenever I'm not tweeting, I'm writing uh, stories to the Master Report. I usually do the supporters um, XI where you can go on and you can vote who you want to start. And then we will give it to Caleb and he will ignore it as he should. <laughs> and then also recently wrote a story about the new uh, Save the Crew book by Pete McGinty called Accidental Heroes. It's, it's an amazing read. I and living through story. the Save the Crew. And I thought, you know, I knew a lot about the Save the Crew movement until I read this book. And I'm not going to lie. Um, it was awfully dusty when I was reading certain parts of the book. <laughs> I, will, I will come out and say that. Also, yeah, I am on a, um, on a podcast because, of course, I am. I have a podcast with a, my friend Brian. It's, the show is aptly called Brian and Me, where we talk about... Um, soccer and other things other podcasty things and i will say uh before i met you before we started working together before uh we started magically podcasting the this one week together uh i had listened to brian and me i think it's a great podcast uh, <sighs> i know you don't like to hear that but i really think it's good for me i've never uh, listened to a single episode of it that tells you how <laughs> good i think it is well Fair enough. For me, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew Atkins SC. You can find this show on Twitter at Crew Review Pod. For all your crew news, updates, analysis, go to MassiveReport.com. Follow them on Twitter at MassiveReport. And don't forget, rate us, review us, subscribe to us. 
iTunes, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, it doesn't matter. Let us hear from you. Like I said, email us at crewreviewpod at gmail.com. Leave us your feedback. Let us know what you think about the show and how you want to see us grow or change. If you don't like the show, don't, don't leave that as a rating. Just email that to me and, uh, and, and let's keep that on the hush hush. <laughs> no, you can give a bad review. Just give five stars. We'll read the feedback, but just still give five stars. I want any criticism of this show to be done in private. Real friends stab him in the front, Andrew. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So what I'm doing right now is stalling because I'm trying to pull up the scores from around the league. So right oh. now, right now, it's looking like yesterday, Houston Dynamo beat Sporting Kansas City 2-1. to one. Orlando and Atlanta tied 1-1. One to one. Vancouver beat Toronto 3-2. to two. San Jose beat Col- – or tied – Colorado one to one. Philadelphia put a spanking on the New York Red Bulls three to nothing. Take a, after you listen to this podcast, find the Aronson goal because okay. it was choice. Will Continue. do. Uh, DC United and New York City, who I hate with a passion for being the one blemish on a record, zero zero. Columbus Crew, we already know how that went. Three nothing. Cincinnati. Chicago Fire, who we are going to beat next week, fell to New England two to one. Minnesota for nothing against real salt lake. Someday we'll talk about Minnesota. They are a, what a turnaround, what a turnaround for a team. Uh, Enter Miami and Nashville are zero to zero. They can't even beat each other. That game's still going on. Seattle zero Portland one. That game's only 10 minutes in. And tonight we have LA galaxy versus LAFC in a match that major league soccer will act like is more important than hell is real. So, like Missy I said, Guillermo. next week, what? Missy Guillermo. Like I said, next week, we are playing Chicago Fire. That is Saturday night at 7.30. What are your predictions for that match, Thomas? I've got a uh, 2-0 uh, against Chicago at Soldier Field. It's going to be Luis Diaz scoring a goal because, gosh darn it, he deserves one. And then uh, Jossi Zares will have the second goal. And I will probably forget what I said, and my massive report prediction will be something slightly different. But I think the crew will win against Chicago. Fair enough. Um, Keep in mind, last time Columbus played Chicago, it was 3-0. I think our attack has taken a bit of a step back since that match. Uh, so I'm also going to pick Columbus. I was going to say, I think. Go ahead. No, we had a worldie in that one. I think that I think our offense looked better tonight than look against against Chicago. I, I think Chicago they looked they made the best of their chances and they looked kind of disheveled on offense and they they scored despite their offensive look <laughs> against Chicago. I think they're even in a better spot now. The only thing that gets them, I think, is that day of travel. Flying to that, flying to Chicago. Luckily, it's not a long flight. Uh, these MLS teams have to fly into these games the day of. Mm-hmm. I don't think that helps the legs, but I, I think I think Columbus can persevere and win that. I think Columbus is winning. I think we're winning one nothing. Uh, as for who scores, if Zalaran's back, I'm giving it to him. If he's not, I'm giving it to uh, I'm giving it to Jossie. I just. Like I said, I'm not going to read too much into this game. So in terms of our attack, I'm looking back over the past three games and Mm -hmm. I'm seeing it getting consistently better again and us returning more to form. I just don't think we're going to be getting those three nothing victories over teams that aren't FC Cincinnati. 
Agree to disagree. So the last segment of the night, what I'm going to try to do moving forward is something called my crew review. What I want you to do, the listeners, at the end of every game, I want you to get on your Twitters and I want you to hashtag my crew review and leave us your review of the game. Let us know what you thought. And what we're going to do is we're going to read your review on air at the end of every podcast. Since this is episode number one, we don't have any micro reviews, so we don't have this segment. So, Thomas, what we do have is a finished podcast, and I appreciate you being the first ever co-host. You did a phenomenal job. Thank you so much for being here with me tonight. But thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And as always, for Massive Report, I'm Andrew Atkins, and this has been the Columbus Crew Review. Glory to Columbus. Go Crew. And we will see you next time when we review the crew. distinct pleasure to present the Philip F. Anschutz Trophy to the captain of the Columbus crew, Guillermo Barros Escaloto. Or Frankie Hayden.